Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 6.26 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is October the 11th, 2022, and this is episode 629 of Bitcoin and... Bye, bye, bye! You gotta buy it. You gotta buy it all. These prices are just too low, ladies and gentlemen. You gotta get in there and get some cheap Satoshis. So, uh, lots of stuff going on today, and because I was interrupted in the boostograms yesterday by my neighbor's cherry bombs and glass packs going light, you know, lighten up the minute that he turns on his truck, uh, I need to finish these up. Now, I finished show the boostograms for episode 628 up, and I want to get into the boostograms that I got on the Texas Slim interview. Uh, let's see what they have to say here. Letter 6173 with striper boost. Shit inputs equals shit output. Eat real proteins, drink clear alcohol, stack sats, have a family. Great episode, but the meat is even better. Dude, thanks, bro. Pitar with the tri- striper boost. This is how we win. Uh, Fatoshi with 5,000 Satoshis says, sitting behind a device and thinking I'm empowered, slim laying it down. Love it. Fatoshi with another 5,000 Satoshi Boost says, real life socialist here. <gasps> I had no idea you were a socialist. Oh my God. Well, that's okay, man. At 1971 bubble, 500 sats, no message. Greggy with 150 sats. Boost says, shut up and take my sats. All right, bro. All right. Now, let's see if I got any boost from yesterday's show. Uh, do, 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 got to See, there's got to be a better way to view boosts on this stuff, man. Uh, hold on here. Let's see. I got one boost. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait until, uh, tomorrow to read if, if I got, you know, any more, cause I want to give everybody a, a fair shake here. All right. So yesterday I mentioned to upgrade your lightning uh, LND service to 0.15.2. That is still in effect. You want to find out what the hell happened? Well, Andrew Asmikov has a write-up of what the hell happened to LND yesterday and the day before. Decrypt.co, bringing it to you. Bitcoin Lightning Network misses block after enormous multi-sig transaction. Hmm. Lightning Network's experimental nature, a layer two network built on top of Bitcoin that allows for faster low fee transactions, is one of the reasons developers have warned users not to risk large amounts when sending and receiving funds. The warning now sounds even more reasonable after a Bitcoin developer inadvertently tested the network's limits by creating a complex multi-signature transaction that saw the Lightning Network misproducing one block. Though the network continued to produce blocks and route payments, this missed block meant that the network was temporarily out of sync. Typically, Lightning Network users open channels using a simple two of two multi-sig setup where two signatures are required to spend the sats. What Barack 
Caselli, the founder of BitMatrix did, was to create a 998 out of 999 multi-sig transaction on Bitcoin, meaning that it required 998 private key signatures, holy shit, to authenticate the transaction, an enormously complex and unusual task in itself. Though, uh, though the transaction, which cost the developer $4.90 in fees, was accepted by block producers and mined into a mainnet Bitcoin block, it confused the method used by LND to calculate what the most recent Bitcoin block was. As explained by Roast Beef, CTO at Lightning Labs, quote, due to this bug, LND wasn't able to parse a new block, but was able to continue forward as normal with any request to open new channels rejected too, as LND recognized that its internal wallet wasn't synced to the chain. After many users took to GitHub to complain that they could not open new channels on the network due to the sync issue, the developers at Lightning Labs identified and released a hotfix, which is now available as LND VO, or sorry, version 0.15.2. While successfully resolved, the case has also demonstrated that the Lightning Network development is still a work in progress, and many more things will have to be addressed before the protocol can be considered stable enough. So that's what happened. A 998 private key signature was used to open a channel, and it screwed LND's pooch. So, and this guy's right. Andrew's right. We, this is still in development. And I'm sure I haven't, honestly, I'm surprised that I had, didn't wake up to a stream of tweets on, on uh, my Bitcoin list yelling about, see, no, this is why nobody should use lightning or see lightning is a piece of shit. I'm really surprised I haven't seen any of that. If you have, let me know about it through Boostagram and I'll see if I can't, you know, parse that out tomorrow, but be aware, all of this all of this stuff is brand new. Bitcoin's 13, 14 years old, but it, you know, how much do you expect a 13 year old kid to know, right? It takes experience. That experience is built up through adversarial thinking and being in an adversarial situation where people are assailing your ass. Whether you're a human or a protocol makes no difference. If people are, this guy probably did this on purpose going, how far can I push this? At what point does something break? And now we know what broke. So I guarantee you the guys over at, at Lightning Labs are working on maybe they, you know, maybe they capped the signature. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm not a developer, so I don't know what they do. But maybe they say, look, dude, really? 998 signatures? Are you fucking serious? Until we get the larger picture, you know, ironed out, maybe we should just allow no more than, I don't know, 15 of 17 or 15 of 18 or something like that. I, whatever it takes and kind of cap that because now that bug is kind of out in the wild and hopefully 15.2 completely fixed it, but I don't know. And it really wasn't, it really wasn't said whether or not it's completely fixed. And now we can do like 10,000 out of 10,001 signatures. I don't know why you would do that. Not at this stage, maybe later, but not at this stage. So anyway, that's what happened to Lightning. Uh, Tor is also under attack. <clears throat> it's under attack and Bitcoiners must help to fix it. Uh, this is Max Hillebrand writing for Bitcoin Magazine. 
After more than two years of rigorous research, development, and review, our team at Wasabi unleashed Wasabi Wallet 2.0 into the wild. This upgrade included numerous improvements, attempting to finally make the private use of Bitcoin effortless and cheap. Specifically, the new Wasabi client is designed to be a more intense Tor user than in the past, now with even more Tor identities in parallel. However, we received a harsh wake-up call right after the release when Tor experienced a distributed denial-of-service attack. When Tor is under a DDoS attack, then coin joins aren't as large and as frequent as they could be. It took three days before the first successful coin join was completed, and even after many improvements to the Wasabi backend and client node, there are still occasional downtimes of hours or even days. The tragic thing is that this is not the only issue that Wasabi Wallet faces. Many other monumental projects in the Bitcoin space and beyond are affected by attacks on Tor. BISC, Lightning Network, even Bitcoin full nodes are vulnerable to some extent. We all depend, on, we all depend so much on Tor, and when it's down, then we're all in big trouble. The even more tragic thing is that the Tor project is dreadfully underfunded with only a handful of people working on the CTOR client that we all use nowadays. Only a small team is actively working on a new client written in Rust, which substantially increases performance and fixes some critical bugs. However, there has not been enough funding to build and maintain the Onion service support. Even projects like the Denial of Service Defense uh, defenses seems to be struggling to secure meaningful long-term funding. There is very little status monitoring and incident reporting, so projects that rely on Tor are often in the dark of what's actually going on. All of this has to be improved and fast. Yes, running your own Tor relay node is a noteworthy con contribution to the network. However, the more fundamental solution is to throw money at this problem. The Tor project needs a lot more funding, both one-time and recurring, to continue its vitally important work on private and censorship-resistant communications. This is a call to action for anyone courageous enough to part with a couple of sats to ensure a freer future. Donate to the Tor project. Do it right now. Additionally, if your project is continuously relying on a stable and private tour, and especially if you are currently affected by the ongoing denial of service attack, then reach out to us to join our coordinated efforts to fix this specific problem as soon as possible. Now I'm going to go to the reach out to us. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it's going to give me go to a mail protocol. So let's see if I can get you the mail address because they didn't actually put it in here. Okay. You're going to email if you're interested in helping this, this thing. Okay, we all got to email info at zksnacks.com. Info at zksnacks.com. Info at zksnacks.com if we want to help out uh, the Tor project because it's acting as one of the major backbones to everything that we hold value of in the future. All right, so that, that's how important it is. Now, Tether. <laughs> Tether. Tether stablecoin issuer freezes 8.2 million USDT on Ethereum. Helen Parts tells us more Cointelegraph. Major stablecoin issuer Tether froze yet another batch of USDT on the Ethereum blockchain, freezing more than $8 million worth of the cryptocurrency. Crypto monitoring resource Whale Alert has identified several transactions that indicate Tether froze three. USDT addresses on October the 10th. 
According to data from transaction logs on Etherscan, the frozen addresses hold 3.4 million, 1.95 million, and 2.9 million USDT. The addresses are no longer able to move funds and collectively hold $8.2 million worth of USDT stablecoin. Quote, Tether works closely with law enforcement worldwide to assist in investigations, including freezes, a spokesperson for Tether told Cointelegraph. The firm declined to comment on the nature of the new freezes, stating, quote, Tether cannot comment on any sort of collaboration with law enforcement agencies as part of its world-class compliance program, end quote. The latest freezes are far from the first time for Tether to blacklist Ethereum-based USDT addresses. As previously reported, Tether froze three Ethereum addresses holding more than $150 million worth of USDT on Ethereum back in January of 2022. Tether has been actively cooperating with regulators and has blacklisted a total of 795 USDT addresses on Ethereum since it first blacklisted a USDT address in November, and that's all the way back in 2017. According to data from Dune Analytics dashboard compiled by Ethereum researcher Philippe Castanagai, I butchered that. Sorry, dude. <clears throat> Tether has added 215 Ethereum-based USDT addresses to the blacklist in 2022 so far. By comparison, Tether blacklisted 357 Ethereum-based USDT addresses in 2021. The total amount of Ethereum-based USDT on all banned wallets is worth more than a whopping 443 million or 0.64% of 65 billion USDT that is in circulation at the time of writing, according to data from CoinGecko. Okay. Again, A, this is why Bitcoin. I don't touch stable coins, and I certainly don't touch Ethereum. And this is a double whammy. I got pretty much Tether. And this is what's so odd about it, is that, you know, Tether is on, you know, I think Tether's on Tron. I don't hear about them freezing any Tron addresses. So is it an attack on on Ethereum? I don't think so, but this just seems a little odd that this is all about just nothing but Ethereum be, addresses being frozen. And it begs the question of why, but be that as it may, the bigger question isn't about Ethereum. <clears throat> the bigger question here is about the people that are running Tether. Understand this. Tether is not a decentralized entity. It is very, very centralized. And the people that control that centralization also control your tether. And they can tell you to sit on it and spin at any second of the day. So for whatever reason that you're using tether, be aware. And it ain't just the guys over at tether. This is going to be USDC too. All right. They're centralized. They have control. Do not trust them. If you have to use this shit, then buy it when you need to use it. And if you don't use all of it, then sell it back into Bitcoin or do something. Get it off. Don't use this stuff ever, if, unless you just have to. I mean, if you're just one of those guys that day trades crypto or whatever, eh, you know what? More power to you. Hope you don't get wrecked. But if you're not doing that and there's no other reason for you to use a stable coin, you probably shouldn't use a stable coin, especially if you have drawn the ire of almost any worldwide governmental institution. Just be careful out there, folks, because this shit is 
this this is really bad. I just don't think that's a, that's a cool thing for them to do. Now, is it cool that BNY Mellon now offers Bitcoin custody services? Let's read a report filed by Nomsios, bitcoinmagazine.com. Bank of New York Mellon, BNY Mellon, the world's largest custodian bank, has launched Bitcoin custody services according to a report from the Wall Street Journal. America's oldest bank said it would begin receiving clients' cryptocurrencies on Tuesday, which is today, becoming the first large U.S. bank to safeguard digital assets alongside traditional investments on the same platform, per the report. Quote, BNY Mellon won the approval of New York's financial regulator earlier this fall to begin receiving select customers' Bitcoin and Ether starting this week, per the report. Quote, the bank will store the keys required to access and transfer those assets and provide the same bookkeeping services on those digital assets that it offers to fund managers for their portfolios of stocks, bonds, commodities, and other assets. The move comes on the heels of other major financial institutions having jumped on the Bitcoin bandwagon. BlackRock, the world's largest asset management company with over 10 trillion, that's with a T, in assets under management, announced in August that it would start offering Bitcoin trading and custody in a partnership with Coinbase. The offering, available for BlackRock's institutional clients, would facilitate trading desk and custodial operations. Later that month, the asset manager shared that it was launching a a spot Bitcoin private trust to cater to a growing demand for direct BTC exposure from clients. Quote, Bitcoin is the oldest, largest, and most liquid crypto asset and is currently the primary subject of interest from our clients within the crypto asset space, BlackRock said at the time. Again, that was Nomsios bringing us the uh, Wall Street Journal report that now the largest and oldest bank in the United States is accepting Bitcoin and sadly, shit coins as well. But you knew that was going to happen. Why? Because I told you that this shit is, this, the, the shit coinery is never going to go away, guys, ever, under any circumstances. It's always going to be with us. You just, you, you're just going to have to live with it. That doesn't mean accept it. It just means you, the laziness, the apathy, the stupidity, the get rich quick giddity of human beings are just, it all works against us. And it works against the majority of the people on the planet because the majority of the people on the planet have been screwed over for so long. What do you expect? What do you, what do you expect? I expect nothing less than this. Actually, I do kind of expect less than this, but I'm surprised that it's, you know, held it at such a high standard of shit coinery. Honestly, it's just, it's mind boggling that we've allowed ourselves as a species to be forced into living in a way that we were never meant to live. I do not think for a single second that we were meant to live the way we live, where we're, you know, have to do everything for everybody else, i.e. taxes, right? Like, and I'm not even talking about the money here. I'm talking about the fact that, oh, it's tax season. And now you got to drop what you're doing, find all your shit, go have hour long conversations with your tax accountant and attorney. If you're using both and prepare all this stuff. And it's a waste of your time. I mean, yeah, it's not, well, it's not a waste of your time if you don't want to go to prison, I guess, or, or, you know, or at least at the very least, you know, come under the ire of the IRS. I'm just saying that 
that amount of time worrying about it is, I don't think that that's the way nature and God intended us to live our lives. I think we were more supposed to be, uh, to husband ourselves to land and not fall in love with going out drinking every goddamn night, not consuming everything that you see in movies and TV and social media and take it as gospel. I don't think we were supposed to do any of that. I don't think we were supposed to worry about health insurance. I don't think we were supposed to worry about our 401k. I think we were supposed to just live and that life would sort itself out. But now we've put nothing but a shit ton of artificial barriers in front of us. And all of us are just, you know, we're too scared to tell our kids to go out and live the life that they want to live. You know, a lot of us still tell our kids, go be a doctor or a lawyer or something makes a shit ton of money. Why? So they can sit around and not enjoy it because they're always at work slaving over their 401k. Is that the way we're supposed to live? I don't think so, man. I don't think so. But, it, you know, here we are back to the, the whole focus was that the largest bank in America is now accepting Bitcoin and Bitcoin did what? Drop another 30 bucks. <laughs> Fuckers. River Financial. <clears throat> okay, River Financial releases new Lightning integration currently used by El Salvador. Bitcoin Magazine, Sean Amick tells us more. River Financial, a fintech company focused on Bitcoin services, has released River Lightning Services, a Lightning Network integration to help businesses and institutions leverage the Lightning Network per release sent to Bitcoin Magazine. RLS, or River Lightning Services, has already been active in El Salvador for over a year, serving as the back-end Lightning integration for the Chivo wallet. Additionally, the company noted that other well-known customers will also be coming on board. Quote, RLS is the next step on River's mission to accelerate the adoption of Bitcoin, said Alex Leishman, founder and CEO of River. Quote, we're incredibly proud to be serving the people of El Salvador and look forward to bringing the power of this incredible technology to the world. End quote. RLS makes the process of integrating Lightning easier by not requiring developers to run any Lightning infrastructure themselves. By, utilize, by utilizing an application programmable interface, RLS is doing for Bitcoin what Stripe did for credit card processing, said the release. Indeed, River has been operating within the Lightning ecosystem for the past four years and currently runs some of the largest nodes on the network. Thus, the company explained that running a high uptime node with high payment success rate is difficult to manage. Therefore, RLS attempts to strip away at the complexities of the Lightning Network, enabling developers to engage with the ecosystem without needing to manage its technical hurdles. Additionally, River noted that, quote, due to its fast-moving protocol, upcoming multi-asset and stablecoin capabilities via tarot and instant and cheap transactions, the Lightning Network is key to accelerating the adoption of Bitcoin. Okay, what do I think about this? It is more dangerous than you think because it risks centralization, of course. That's, that's, that's why. Um, why is it? that we centralize. Think about that question. That's a really important question. We all run around talking about decentralize all the things. And we have this, I don't know, surface level understanding that centralization is bad because look what happened when X did that. And look what happened when Y was saying this. And, and we, we understand 
the amount of control that a centralized project has. The question really is, how did we get this way? I just ranted about the fact that we're not supposed to live this way. I really wholeheartedly believe that we are not supposed to live this way. So what is driving us to go live in massive population centers? People will say jobs. People will say that's where all the food is. Okay, okay. But how did that happen? I got a theory. I do. You want to hear it? Here it goes. Efficiency. And efficiency, in my opinion, is actually born out of fucking apathy. We all think that efficiency is the golden rule, we, that we've got to be more efficient about what we do. We've got to be more efficient about this and more efficient about that. And, and all of a sudden, we, we've got these massive centralized systems that start breaking or start becoming authoritarian, totalitarian, and fucking fascist. That's a fact. But the centralization and the desire for it has grown out of, I think, people's apathy. And what does it really affect? There's, there's other effects that centralization has. Like it can fuck up the uh, beef market. Let's talk about that for just a second. Think about what's called a CAFO, a confined animal feeding operation. If you've ever driven by one, and you've driven by one more than once and you know what they are and you know what to look for when you're driving down the road, that's when you set the uh, air conditioner to recycle the car's air and you roll up the windows because they've centralized all these animals into one little bitty postage stamp of, of land. Why? Well, efficiency. It was really hard to get, you know, hire a bunch of guys, Get your cowboys, you got to feed the horses, they're on horses and they got saddles and they got to learn how to ride and they got to learn how to rope and they got to learn how to drive cattle, which is from what I understand, an art. I don't know it because that's not my experience, but from what I understand, it's a rather, rather much of an art to send like 10 guys out into, you know, 10,000 acres and gather up every single fucking cow that you left out there to graze. Because you don't know where they went. They're just all over the damn place. So you got to go get them. Okay, well, that's not very efficient. And then you drive them back to, you know, a centralized point where you can put them on a train, get them up to Chicago, which is the way that we used to do it in the old days. And that's where all the slaughterhouses were. And But that centralization never stopped. That gain, that, that need for gain of efficiency never ceased in the human spirit. And we kept compacting it and compacting it and compacting it, right? And what happened? Now, at this point, people that operated CAFOs or that still operate CAFOs, right? Find themselves in a situation where one bad year, like a disease comes up or a heat wave, can wipe them out for good. Why? Because we squeezed all the headroom out with the efficiency gains. There's no room to maneuver because as that efficiency comes in and you get more and more efficient, the markets, especially the commodity markets, they look at that and what do they do? They trade on it. And that, what does that trade do? That resets price. Your need for efficiency squeezes out any kind of wiggle room you have to thwart oncoming disaster. And that's one of the reasons why if 
if you're a KFO guy and you depend, you know, and you've got a really good, you know, really good operation and you've got a really good relationship with, I don't know, Cargill, let's say, or JBS, and you can get, you're automatically guaranteed your kill dates so that you can have the animals processed, put into little packages for T-bones and ground beef and Denver steaks and all that kind of shit, and then sell at supermarkets, you're fucked if you have a bad year. I mean, if you, you could literally, like if, if the price of vaccines goes up 10%, you might be out most of your profits depending on the size of your CAFO operation. I'm serious. I've had this discussion with somebody who knew this shit and it was something I never even thought of, right? So that efficiency, that need for efficiency squeezed out all the places that you can run and hide if bad things happen, right? So ranchers now that don't have CAFOs, especially, and I'm talking about the small guys like KNC cattle down in Austin, uh, Jason Rick up at Rick Ranches, some of the guys that I'm starting to meet around here in Eastern Washington, they don't have CAFOs. They try very hard to make sure that their cows eat grass for as much of their lifetime, if not all their lifetime, depending if they can pull that off, than anything else. They, that's what they're concerned about. And they could make a really good living, except they can't get kill dates. Because there's, there's no real big processors or rather there's not a lot of small processors. That's really the key. That's part of the, why decentralized all the things comes in, right? So they go to Cargill or JBS and they just get laughed out of the room. They're not getting kill dates. So they got to go to a smaller processor. Well, guess what? That smaller processor is completely inundated. Some of these guys are booked out until April of next year. April of next year. Why does that occur? How has this all occurred? Because of this absolute run to efficiency. We think of efficiency as good. I want you to start questioning whether or not efficiency is good. If it turns out that it builds systems like this, we've become so efficient that now we have this. And you look at that and say, that's fucked. Our food system is screwed because of efficiency. Our soil is dead because of efficiency. Little guys that just want to be out on their ranch and take care of animals and provide good, clean animal protein, they're fucked because of efficiency. And how did it all happen? Because traders who have no idea how to go out and do any of this shit, no, neither do I either. I can, yes, you're bitching about it, but you don't know how to do it. Well, at least I'm trying to go meet these guys and go out and see their operation and learn about what it is that they do. At least I'm doing that, right? But no, I have to admit, I don't know how to do what they do. I'd love to, though. I would have loved to have been born into a ranching family. It's too late, probably too late for me now. Be that as it may. That's what they want to do. But like uh, uh, KNC, uh, Cole Bolton down in Austin, he's got to be a banker. I had a discussion with uh, Texas Slim on uh, the interview that I did with him. I think it was 627. Uh, or episode 627, we had a discussion about that. My question was, hey, dude, do you think that Cole Bolton, now that he's got his own kill facilities and his own processing facilities, do you think he'll be able to quit being a banker and just be the rancher he wants to be? Slim has an optimistic outlook on that. He says yes, and I tend to believe him. Thank God. Let's run the numbers. CNBC, 
futures and commodities markets are in turmoil today. Uh, it, in turmoil, I just mean that it does. It's not all down or all up. It's just all over the place. It's weird. West Texas Intermediate down one point seven to eighty nine dollars and fifty eight cents. Brent North Sea down one and a half points to ninety four dollars and seventy three cents. Natural gas up two point three nine percent to six dollars and fifty eight cents. Gasoline up a quarter of a point to two dollars and sixty three cents a gallon. Gold. Gold is up today, almost a full point, but it's still under uh, $1,700, $1,690.50. Silver is down scant to $19.60. Platinum is up uh, three quarters of a point. Copper is up just over one point. Palladium is down a fifth of a point. Agricultural futures are fully mixed. Wheat erasing most of its gains yesterday uh, by going down 3.89%. Soybean is up a third. Sugar is up a half. Rough rice is unchanged. Uh, chocolate, uh, chocolate's down a third. I just love chocolate. Okay, uh, Dow up uh, 1.3%. Uh, S&P is up 0.69%. NASDAQ up 0.35%. S&P mini at this time is up 1.41%. Uh, Bitcoin bouncing off of its $19,000 flat base as of this morning that I saw. It might have gone lower. I'm not sure. Uh, $19,119.44. 1.6 million BTC sent around the horn in the last 24 hours with an average transaction value of 6.24 BTC, a median transaction value of 0.023 BTC. That's about 430 bucks. And guess what? After the massive difficulty adjustment upwards, Block times are hideously low at eight minutes and 40 seconds. Uh, we have a 0.05 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 8.53 BTC taken overall in fees on a per block basis. We have had an 18.26% rise in hash rate according to BitInfo charts. And that brings us up to 296.48 exahashes per second. And if you wait just a second, I'm going to look to see where, what that puts us out on the graph. It looks like, I don't know, guys, it looks like we've hit another all-time high on hash rate because that's awfully, awfully high. What did I say? That was, oh, come on, get me back there. Get back there. That was, yeah, 296.17 exahashes per second. Ladies and gentlemen, Say hello to your new all-time high in hash rate. Dogecoin, your shitcoin indicator, $0.06 or six United States pennies. There are 6,200 transactions waiting on three blocks to clear. We have a $367.1 billion market cap. That's a 3.3% of all of gold's market cap. You may, if you so choose, uh, continue to buy your shiny metal rocks and you can get 11.4 ounces of them with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,176,167.17 of and 4,986.12 of those are in the Lightning Network valued at $95.5 million being run over 17,248 nodes, sporting 84,736 payment channels. The percentage of Tor... Uh, capacity that that's running over has dropped to 69.0%. Uh, there are 12,305 Tor nodes on the Lightning Network, just in case you were wondering, and that's going to do it for Vitals.
Welcome to part two of the news that you can use, Bitcoin Magazine and Sean Amick bringing us this one to start off with. Spiral Brains Established Working Group to Develop Bitcoin Mining Protocol. A partnership between Bitcoin mining company Brains and open source Bitcoin development initiative Spiral, that's Jack Dorsey's group, is establishing a working group to accelerate the adoption of Stratum V2 per release sent to Bitcoin Magazine. The working group contributors will focus on building and sharing tools that make the upgrading to and deployment of Stratum V2 a more streamlined process for miners. Quote, we are proud to support the world-class Bitcoin developers building a universal reference implementation for Stratum V2, said Steve Lee, lead at Spiral. Quote, working for industry-wide adoption of the upgraded Stratum protocol is one of the most important developments in improving the decentralization and censorship resistance of Bitcoin's architecture, end quote. Stratum V2 is a Bitcoin mining communication protocol that serves as an intermediary by connecting miners and their pools to the Bitcoin network. These forms, hold on, these forms of communication protocols are how miners show their work and are able to collect block rewards. Show your work, Billy. Today, the working group is releasing a Stratum V2 reference implementation for initial testing, which will be followed by a more robust version of the same SRI in early November. The November patch will provide the additional features of job negotiation, which is described as a feature that represents a historic shift in the censorship resistance mechanics of Bitcoin mining by replacing a pool's responsibility of assigning work to miners with the ability for miners to select their own work. Jan Kapek, co-founder of Brains, said universal standards for running and building Stratum V2 and the efforts of this working group to push the industry forward will provide the momentum Bitcoin needs to finally upgrade from a version of its mining protocol that was built a decade ago. The working group includes several veteran Bitcoin developers and is supported by BitMEX, Foundry, Galaxy Digital, Spiral, and Summer of Bitcoin. Yeah, this is pretty cool, honestly. I mean, Spiral working with brains directly to release Stratum V2. Because from what I understand, Stratum V2 allows like, you know, a miner... Like I got like, let's say four mining rigs in my house and I'm using, I don't know, some pool. It doesn't matter. F2 pool, whatever. I install Stratum. From what I understand, I now have access to all of the pools and can switch between them depending on certain factors. Like let's say I find out that F2 pool has signed a deal with the World Economic Foundation and I just don't want to have Klaus Schwab anywhere near my shit. I can... I think just deselect F2 pool as an option and jump over to another pool. I also think from what I understand that certain other elements such as like, I don't know, I can't, there's, there's a lot to it. I, I totally failed on that one, but at least you can switch. I know that you can at least switch pools. Like maybe another pool's having network communication problems. Who knows? And then my Stratum V2 senses that. And, and there's like, I guess I could say, hey, under these circumstances, this is when you jump pools. And then those circumstances are met. And I'm at, you know, I don't know, out in the middle of a forest somewhere. I don't know what the hell's going on. And Stratum V2 points my miners from F2 pool uh, to some other pool that is not either having, you know, network communication issues or a 
denial of service attack or Klaus Schwab trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. This is great news, and I'm I'm really happy about this. But I'm not happy about Portugal proposing a 28% tax on annual crypto trading profits next year. Portugal was billing itself as the tax-free fucking haven for Bitcoiners. This is the this this is what you get. This, this is what they gave the Kazakhstani miners. They're like, hey, come over to Kazakhstan, guys. We'll give you free shit. And then they didn't. This is bait and switch stuff, man. So anybody that, that moved over to Portugal, now you're looking square in the face of over a quarter of everything that you make being stolen from you for whatever Portugal thinks it needs to actually do. Gareth Jenkins tells us more, Cointelegraph. Long considered a cryptocurrency tax haven, Portugal's government has proposed a 28% tax on capital gains from cryptocurrencies held for less than a year. The 2023 state budget document published on October the 10th featured a short section addressing the taxation of cryptocurrencies, which to date have been untouched by the Portuguese tax authorities, given that digital assets were not recognized as legal tender. The section notes that the Portuguese government intends to create a broad and adequate tax framework aimed at cryptocurrencies in terms of their taxation and classification. A proposed income tax from operations involving cryptocurrencies through activities such as mining or trading, as well as capital gains, was put forward in the 440-page document. Quote, capital gains relating to crypto assets held for a period of less than one year are subject to the rate of 28% without prejudice to the aggregation option with the capital gains referring to crypto assets held for more than 365 days exempt from taxation. Well, at least you got that for now. The state budget also proposes a 4% taxation fee of free transfers of cryptocurrencies in instances of inheritance, as well as stamp duties on commission charged by intermediaries involved in the cryptocurrency sector. Fucking rent-seeking bastards. That's all that shit is. This section concluded by noting that security and legal certainty are provided in the proposed creation of the tax regime in an effort to foster the crypto economy. You ain't fostering nothing, man. Portugal's parliament will have the final say as to whether the proposed cryptocurrency tax changes are enforced while the notion is not entirely new. In March 2022, Secretary of State for Tax Affairs Antonio Mendes laid out a, the rationale in a parliamentary working session for taxing cryptocurrencies given that capital gains were being realized by users. Oh, the horror! The horror of realizing capital gains. Uh, I took the risk, I got the reward, and now you want some of it for doing what? Bombing brown people in fucking India? I, Germany recently took a similar stance toward the taxation of cryptocurrencies. It released new guidelines in May of 2022 outlining clear income tax rules for cryptocurrency and virtual assets. Individuals who sell Bitcoin or Ether more than a year after acquisition will not be liable for taxes on the sale if they realize a profit. Yeah, not yet. Not yet. If you believe these people are going to keep this at this level, you're fooling yourself. Somebody somewhere needs to figure out a way to have a country that has happy, healthy, well-fed, well-nutrified people that are very well-educated and not have to pay taxes at all. Come up with a different framework. And guess what'll happen? You'll have neighbors helping neighbors. 
because they'll have money to do it with because you're not stealing it from them. And even, even if I said, you know what? If you guys were, com you know, completely above board with what you're using the tax dollars for and you can't go to war and you can't go kill other people, you can only defend yourself against invasion and you're not funding stupid people to stay home and smoke pot all day and doing all that shit, then yes, I'd pay taxes even if I thought that way. They'd screw it up. They'd screw it up. Somebody somewhere would look for efficiency and then somebody somewhere else would see that efficiency and figure out how to graft onto it because that's the human spirit. The only way to stop that shit dead cold is to stop the flow of money. You stop the flow of money to the state from the individual citizenry of that state and all manner of grift and graft just goes away. And then they have to figure out a way to do it on a country for country basis. So if El Salvador is doing business with Russia, then the grifters and the grafters need to figure out how to siphon their money on the deals made between El Salvador and Russia. That's what I'm saying, because at least that would insulate the citizenry a little bit better from the amount of graft that can go on when you're paying money from the citizenry to the state. It's easier for them to get the rent-seeking shit going on. It's harder for them to do it if that flow of money doesn't exist. But yeah, if you bought in to the whole Portugal is going to be a tax haven, you know, for, for Bitcoiners, you got hosed and now you got to hold for a year. Next year, I'll bet that they expand that year holding time to two years. And after that, it'll be three years. And after that, you'll have to hold it forever. And nobody will do that. So they'll get their 28%, 33%, 45%, 48% capital gains tax because that shit's going to go up too. It always happens. It always has. Now, Google is going to accept Bitcoin and crypto for cloud services in Coinbase partnership. Ladies and gentlemen, get all of your wealth off of Coinbase, no matter what version it's in. You can be a straight up shitcoiner listening to this show, and I don't know why you would, but get your shit. Get your Ethereum off of Coinbase. Get it off right now. Google and Coinbase partnering together. Yeah, that should scare the living piss out of you. Let's find out what Nomsios has to say about it from Bitcoin Magazine. Google will start accepting Bitcoin and cryptocurrency as payment for its cloud services early next year. The internet giant announced on Tuesday that it had formed a partnership with the largest cryptocurrency exchange in the U.S., Naked Mole Rats Coinbase, to enable the new payment method. Quote, powered by Coinbase Commerce, which enables merchants globally to accept cryptocurrency payments in a decentralized way, the new payment experience will benefit Google Cloud's customers and partners by increasing the optionality of payments for Google, Google, Google Cloud services, Google, Google said in a statement. Thomas Kerrion, CEO of Google Cloud, said the company's focus is to make it frictionless for all customers to take advantage of our scalability, reliability, security, and data services so clients can focus on innovating in the cryptocurrency space. Yes, let us efficiently pack all the shit that you don't want to do into a tight little package, reducing the headroom of wiggle room should bad storm clouds come across the horizon and we'll all be just dandy, right? Because we already saw when I was talking about how that fucked up cattle, how that ends and it doesn't end well. In addition, Google will use Coinbase Prime the exchange's institutional cryptocurrency investing investing in custody platform 
Although it is not yet clear what specific services offered by the platform Google will leverage, the company hinted at custody and reported services, reporting services in a statement. The collaboration will also bring Coinbase's global data platform to Google Cloud, enabling cryptocurrency developers to access Google's big query public databases, which will be powered by Coinbase cloud nodes. Quote, the integration will allow developers to instantly and reliably, reliably operate Web3-based systems without the need for expensive and complex infrastructure per the announcement. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, whatever. Get it off of Coinbase, y'all. Don't wait. Don't wait, man. Don't wait until January 3rd proof of keys. Just get it off now. You don't want to have anything to do with this collaboration. I mean, it's like... It's like Satan having sex with I with another demon and having some Satan slash demon demon baby come out. You don't want to have anything to do with this. You don't want to have them having any of your data. What's sad is that all the data that they've already collected from Coinbase is now going to be Google's. And whatever data Google has is probably going to be shared with Coinbase. And this is an unholy matrimony, y'all. It's abomination at its very core. Get all of your shit off of Coinbase and just keep it in cold storage. This is a perfect time to learn cold storage. I recommend cold card. You know, it's one of the things that I use. I, I, I've used Ledger in the past. I don't like that I have to continuously update its firmware because things have always gone wrong and it always bricks my device. And it's just, I have to recover from my seed phrase. So I can't recommend ledger, but if that's what you got, then use that. Just make sure you got your seed phrase people, but get all of it off of Coinbase. Just saying. Now for even more stupid economic or economists debunk the banking system and win the Nobel Prize. Savannah Fortis tells us this from Cointelegraph. Three economists were awarded the Nobel Prize in Economic Sciences on October the 10th for their discoveries, which are said to have improved how society deals with financial crises. Mm -hmm. Ben Bernanke, Douglas Diamond, and Phillips Dybivig conducted research on the economic role played by banks during times of financial crises. According to the Nobel Prize organization, this research included an important finding on why it is not only important but vital to avoid the collapse of banks. Tor Ellingson, the chair of the Committee for the Prize in Economic Sciences, said, quote, The laureate's insights have improved our ability to avoid both serious crises and expensive bailouts. We, Bank of England, just had one. They just fucking had one. And you've got the gall to give these assholes a prize? Are you insane? Diamond highlights the important role banks play in society as middlemen between savers and borrowers. Banks can provide depositors open access to their funds while giving the option of long-term loans to borrowers, unless you're in Canada and then you get your access to funds shut the fuck off. As crypto and the web, <clears throat> or sorry, the web three world become more mainstream, banks have new things to consider as societal chain challenges and Adapt adaptations. Users are now interested in decentralized finance for the very reason of taking out a middleman between them and their liquid assets. 
DeFi, in the non-custodial sense, gives users unfettered access to financial tools they need to get scammed and is increasingly used as a tool to help the unbanked get scammed. However, as a Bloomberg analyst reported, many who have been used, uh, used to the security found in traditional finance have a fear of the unknown when it comes to activity in DeFi and crypto. Banks and major TradFi corporations have taken hints from the increasingly relevant and useful role of cryptocurrencies. According to data from the Basel Committee, banks worldwide own 9.4 billion euros in crypto assets. The Central Bank of Switzerland also claims central banks will be a major proponent to further push DeFi into the mainstream through the right combination of centralization and decentralization. Yeah, they don't coexist, ladies and gentlemen. Banks around the world are trying to stay relevant with the shift toward digital currencies and the general digitization of money. Many are looking into developing their own central bank digital currencies or CBDCs. Most recently, the Central Bank of India released its outline for plans of a digital rupee CBDC to further screw their citizenry up with. Um, yeah, no. No, this is all bullshit. This is 100% propaganda for the banks. That prize was given to these three assholes as a commercial for the banks. Not just this, not just this Coin Telegraph article, which clearly was used it as an event to talk about DeFi, right? That's not what the Nobel Prize was given for. The Nobel Prize was given for banks and their continued existence in the face of their existence. I'm sorry, their continued existence in the face of their very own extinction, because they are going to go extinct. At least the big ones are. I think smaller banks will still survive. But again, everything, like, why do you think, let's say you hate the Ruskies. Why do you think the Ruskies target New York? Because they kill a fuck ton of people. Why do you think they target Washington, D.C. with their nuclear weapons? Because that's where all the power is. And people are centralized there. It's a weak spot, bro. Figure it out. You know, why are why do we target Oh God, what else we, we target? We target all their ports. We know where most of their naval bases are. We target those guys. Why? Because that's where they keep all their armament. It's not hard. You want to screw something up, attack a central bank. I'm surprised, I, you know, I'm, well, I'm surprised that there hasn't been a successful attack on a central bank via the internet, as far as I can tell. I'm sure they get, I'm sure it's tried, but I'm, I'm, what I'm surprised about is the fact that none, it, it's never been effective. I'm sure they've happened, but we haven't heard about it. But that's where you want to attack. You want to attack somebody's economy, you attack their central bank. Why? Because that's where all the money is. That, well, actually, that's where all the flow of money is. And that's just as important as the money itself. How it flows is at least as important as the money itself. This is... This is a commercial for banks' continued existence. This has nothing to do with what Ben Bernanke and this diamond guy and this other dude did. This is just an opportunity for them to tell us how important central banks are and how we'd all be lost without them and how we'd all starve without them. And if they all went away tomorrow, yeah, it would be chaos. It would be utter chaos. It would suck beyond all imaginings of the word. But at one point or another, these guys have got to go away and they're making sure that they never go away. 
Watch out for stuff like this because that that award was not given for the work. That award was given as a TV commercial for the fucking banks. Now, finally, EU lawmakers passed landmark crypto assets regulation bill. Oh, joy. Let's find out what's in it from Matt DeSilvo writing for Decrypt. Europe is one step further on its way to regulating the crypto industry. European Union lawmakers today signed off the Markets in Crypto Assets Regulation, or MICA. It's landmark legislation that hopes to regulate the digital asset space within the union. European Parliament officials voted 28 to 1 in favor of the legislation, which will, if passed in the next vote, require stricter rules for crypto companies. The MICA bill asks those issuing crypto to publish a crypto asset white paper containing information about their project. (laughs) Reminds me of the Tron white paper, which was 70% plagiarized. It also asks stablecoin companies to meet capital requirements. Such entities will be restricted on how many tokens they can issue if they are not denominated in euros or other currencies used by EU member states. Stable coins are digital assets that are designed to have a fixed price. Yeah, 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 we know. The MICA looks to regulate cryptocurrency mining as well. The bill asks big crypto asset service providers to disclose their energy consumption. Mining cryptocurrencies is energy intensive. The EU could also classify NFTs, unique tokens issued on a blockchain that are linked to assets such as artwork as securities under the new bill. According to University of Kentucky law professor Brian Fry, or sorry, Brian Fire, who specializes in NFTs and securities law. What a waste of time. EU lawmakers have been debating MICA for over two years now. The economic union is working hard to try and regulate, in the words of MEP Stefan Berger, the Wild West of crypto. The EU parliament also today passed an anti-money laundering bill that requests crypto transfers include data on the payer and the payee. The bill, which is aligned with the MICA, asks crypto asset service providers to provide information to authorities if an investigation is conducted into money laundering and terrorist financing. European Parliament officials will again vote on final approval of the MICA legislation later this month before it becomes law. So at least we know it's not law just yet, but it's probably going to happen. Good luck with all of that. Good luck with all that. So what will happen is that if you're using in like Coinbase, yeah, they're going to do it. Shit. Yeah, they're going to do it. But like completely un or uh, completely decentralized aspects going to be a lot harder to get their hands around that because there's no central offices. There's no email. You can send somebody. There's not a telephone number. There's no real assets to seize. So you know, again, good luck with all that. And we really need to pull back from the centralization aspect because it leads to nothing but authoritarianism, totalitarianism, fascism, communism, socialism, and a whole host of other shit. And you don't want to have any part of. You want to be a socialist or a communist? Do it at home. And what I mean by that is your family. There's something that I read or saw a long time ago that actually kind of made a lot of sense to me. It's like, you want to be, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get this wrong, but it was like, you want to be like Democrat at the federal level. You want to be Republican at the state level. You want to be um, libertarian at the county level, socialist at the city level and communist at the family level. 
something like that. I, it, I'm pretty sure I got that wrong, but it was basically on the way, on the way down is where things get stricter and stricter. And I think, I actually think that cities themselves weren't socialist. I think it was actually libertarian there. I can't, I can't really remember, but it was like at the very top, you get a true, the true Democrats of old, not, not the woke, not the woke crowd, not, not this, not what we got right now, but the old Democrat crowd. And then you got Republicans for to, in control of your States. And that that's the way it sort of works. It's an interesting thought experiment. I don't know if I quite buy it, but it doesn't make my stomach turn. I'll just say that. Don't throw rocks at me. Okay. I can think about stuff and not get in trouble with it. And I'm not going to apologize for that shit. So Uh, Does that do it for the morning roundup? It sure does. Dad says jokes. If money doesn't grow on trees, then why do banks have branches? Uh, maybe it'll be all the branch banks that, that break off from their, their mothership and become local banks. Who knows how that's going to work? I just don't see if, a, I don't see a viable future for central banking outside of pure 100% totalitarianism, uh, totalitarianistic control of all flows of information, money being just one. And if we get to that state, life is not worth living. It's just not. There's, there's no reason to actually do anything at that point. So, if you don't want it to happen, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how to tell you to fight against it, except buy Bitcoin, use Bitcoin, get out of the fiat system. If you can, you know, if you got one foot in and one foot out, that's okay. At least you got one foot out. I mean, I got one foot out, but I also got one foot in and I, and, and that foot is like the water that that foot is in is starting to heat up. So be careful and start taking the time to think about what's going on and what you can do about it. In, in a manner that affects something that you can control because you can't control what Ben Bernanke gets and if he gets an award or not, you don't have any say over that shit. They don't know you. They don't like you. If they met you, they probably try to kill you because these people hate you, right? What can you do? You can control what you can control. Find out what it is that you have direct control over and how to affect that. And at the same time, how can you unplug from that which controls you? You won't be able to unplug completely unless you go be a hermit. Actually, you can't even, you can't even be a hermit because a hermitage, you get paid to be the crazy old man at the outskirts of some rich dude's estate. That's what, where hermitage came from. You know, something other than that would be somebody who just lives all by themselves out in the middle of nowhere lives his or her entire life, maybe even have a family and nobody knows that they exist ever. And I don't know how feasible that is. It probably wouldn't be all that much fun, but it be probably be, it'd probably be better for your soul at least than living in New York city and San Francisco or San Diego or LA or Seattle or Tacoma or God forbid Dallas, Fort Worth, which is, really bad nowadays. Anyway, uh, with all that said, if you want to support the show, podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. I have been getting 50 sats a minute from a guy uh, for days now, and it's just amazing to see. I tweeted out uh, earlier today with a screenshot of the amounts because it's, I don't know, 
who's doing it. I, all I see is amounts and a timestamp. And every minute it's like 50 sats, 50 sats, 50 sats. Took a screenshot of it, sent it out with the message said, well, well, Lightning Network doesn't work. And I'm like, it works for me every single minute of the day. Of course, not when that whole thing with LND was screwing up my node, but it all seems fixed now. And I haven't lost any sats or channels. So there you go. Anyway, podcasting 2.0, the way to go. Support the show. Stream me Satoshis. I'll stream me these dulcet tones. Give me a boost gram and I might read it on the air and I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.